May our thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. In this morning's gospel, we fast forward in time. Over the past few weeks, we've been spending time in the Sermon on the Mount, listening to Jesus' first public teaching as he laid out exactly what his ministry and his mission and his teachings were going to be. And now we speed up to sort of a turning point in Jesus' earthly ministry. We're just a few chapters away from his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And here we have this moment, this moment of apocalypse. Apocalypse, which means pulling back the curtain, unveiling. And so in this moment, we see the truth, who Jesus really is. Jesus, up on the mountain with three of his disciples, is transfigured before them, and his divinity shines through. Now, as the voice from heaven said at Jesus' baptism, it says again, This is my Son, the Beloved, with him I am well pleased. It's a moment of proclamation, revealing Jesus' true nature to those around him, an affirmation of who he really is. This past week, I sort of had the transfiguration in the back of my head, rumbling around as I've gone about this week. It's been sort of a thought companion with me as I've done different things. With this idea of transfiguration, in my mind, this past Friday, I co-officiated a funeral of a friend of mine in my home church. Sitting in that beautiful, sacred space that's so deeply familiar to me, something that I know deep in my bones, I began to think about the transfiguration and my friend Roland, and thinking about his own transfiguration that has come through death. Roland's physical body that had succumbed to cancer is now transfigured into his eternal body healed and made whole, his soul no longer being housed in this corrupted physical form. I thought of all of his struggles, you know, those struggles that are endemic to being a human being are now transfigured. They no longer have a grip on him. I thought about how the pain that just comes from living life, the pain that comes from being here on earth, how that is now transfigured. And my friend Roland is in glory, no longer bound by the things of this world. It's sort of a, a beautiful moment, a way of seeing that in the middle of grief, in the middle of our sadness, at the side of the grave, we still make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. To me, sitting in that church, this was a moment of transfiguration akin to that mountaintop experience 2,000 years ago. In writing about this passage from Matthew, the 16th century German theologian 
Andreas Musculus writes, We too must share in the transfiguration, for the kingdom of Christ is in us. Thus his majesty and glory must shine in us also. I love this image that the transfiguration isn't something that just happened 2,000 years ago in a far away place, but the transfiguration must occur in each and every one of us as well. Because the kingdom of Christ is there. And I think of Roland, and I think of him fully sharing in Christ's transfiguration in death. But it's not just in death that we share in the transfiguration. We share in it in life as well. The majesty and the glory of the mountaintop shines into us and through us right where we are through transfiguring moments. One of these transfiguring moments of majesty and glory will happen in a few moments as we gather around this holy table. A moment in which bread will be transfigured into body and wine will be transfigured into blood, revealed as they truly are, humble and simple things stripped away to reveal God's light and God's goodness. Now, I'm not making some sacramental theological claim here. We as Anglicans hold a wide array of beliefs as to what actually happens in the great Thanksgiving. At its core, we believe in the real presence that somehow and in some way Christ is really and truly present in the bread and the wine, and we sort of don't focus on the mechanics of how that happens. We leave that up to individuals. So I'm not trying to say what goes on here, but that this is a moment of transfiguration. That every time we gather, we give thanks and we break bread, transfiguration happens, glory is revealed, majesty is present, Christ's light shines through. The bread and the wine become something more than they are. The holiness of these everyday things becomes manifest, and in it we experience the majesty and the glory of Christ. And through partaking, through participating, through eating this majestic bread and drinking this glorious wine, we ourselves share in the transfiguration. It sort of spills out of the wine. The transfiguring moment is too big for the bread, and it seeps out into us. And we, in that moment, become transfigured ourselves. We become the holy people that we are meant to be, it's just for a moment. We become united to one another and with Christ to be the body of Christ here on this earth. Over the past few weeks, we've been speaking about what it means to value the things that Jesus did, adopting the values of God and living according to those values. And I think when we do that, that can also be a transfiguring moment. It's not just in ritual or in death that we experience the transfiguration, but it's when we live according to God. 
these moments for me are, are hard to describe. I mean, but I think it might resonate with you. Have you ever experienced a moment when you seem to sort of just simply disappear and the actions happen on their own? When what we're doing seems so attuned to God's way of being that we feel like we just aren't part of the equation and God is acting through us. For me, I, I remember such moments vividly when I was at Broughton School because there were so many distractions. At Broughton, it was easy to, to get bogged down in the daily grind, to get bowed down in the stress and the pressures that the kids were facing every day, the lesson plans to create, the lack of sleep from the busyness, the dances to awkwardly chaperone. But what would happen is I would frequently find myself feeling overwhelmed and overwhelmed, but then we would come together on Sunday mornings. We would gather together in a beautiful and majestic chapel, sing praises, hear the word of God, and come as one body around a sacred and holy table. In those moments when everything would drop away, all the anxieties and the fears and the stresses melted, and we were just present to each other and present to God. And in those moments, I believe I was transfigured, becoming something more than I am, becoming more like Christ and more like God. And the rest didn't matter. Perhaps we could label this sort of a moment of flow, when things just come out of us and go naturally, when we feel like we're in our rhythm that we so much so that we don't even have to think about it. When we uh, align ourselves almost perfectly with the majestic and glorious light that shines through us. When we get out of the way and let the awesome transfigurative power of Christ consume us, and act through us. I don't know what this looks like for you. Maybe transfiguring moments happen when you gather with friends or family, and you talk about life, and you're there for them, and you comfort them, and you're present with them. Maybe it's when the work you're engaged in conforms to the mission that we are entrusted with. When what we're doing we use as an opportunity to show God's love to those around us. Or maybe it's when God's values of peacemaking, acting in mercy, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, being pure in heart, so take over our thoughts and actions that they just naturally come out of what we do and say, and in those moments we are transfigured. We become more than just mere individuals. We sort of become a channel for Christ's life. It's when we feel connected to God in a deeply and profound way. I think the tendency for me is to always want those moments. It's to stay in that good feeling, that feeling that everything is going smoothly, that is sublime as these moments are, we can't exist in them continually. I mean, like Peter, we might say, let us put dwelling places up here so we can stay here. But we have to descend the mountain. 
We have to return the banality of everyday life, and our vision might become dim again, but we must remember that those experiences are still with us. The majesty and the glory of the transfiguration has not departed from us, but is still present with us. The transfigured Christ is always within us and around us and above us and before us and behind us, holding the promise of the perfection to come. My dear friends, it's our duty to open ourselves to that majestic and glorious light. To so expose our inner being to this light that it fills every single part of us. That it fills us so completely to such an extent that it spills out of us. Illuminating all of those around us, illuminating the world around us, proclaiming the love of God in each and every part of our lives.